All right, hey everybody, this is Emma Otter here, and uh, I'm checking in. Uh, when we last left off, we're kind of in the middle of, uh, I mean, I don't want to spoil anything. I don't know. I don't think our story will come to a close on this broadcast or this uh, tape that I have, however you're listening. I don't know where you are, but I know where I am. I want to remind you all will be well. Oh, I forgot the person that introduces the podcast. Uh, oh, welcome to an ongoing episodically modular series. I'm Emma Otter. This story is called Otter Things. And it's a tale of a town and a place beyond the swamp that, oh, what does episodically modular mean? You could listen to these in any order, even though the episodes are numbered. And you could listen to them sequentially. You may enjoy them even more if this is your first episode, starting with this one and then listening in any order you wish. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's about uh, odd things that happened in a place be, like our town, which was a, we're swamp-based beings, my friends and I. I'm Emma. I'm an otter. Nice to meet you. I have an older brother, Tefe, also an otter, of course, and my parents and my siblings, youngest sibling. Uh, but what, like I also have best friends, Dustin... Uh, LJ, Willow, and Billy. And I mentioned those in no particular order, you know, where they lie on the best friend scale. All best friends, uh, of course. And my bestest best friend knows who whom they are. And that we don't even need to speak about it or they don't say, I just want to double check. If you're wondering if you need to double check that you're my best friend, that means you are. They say, "Well, I just wanted to do, don't 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 ask because it means you are." You say, "Well, you didn't even list me there," and I'd say, "Really?" But yeah, that means you are, of course. Uh, and if you're confidently saying, "Of course, I'm Willow's best friend," that is correct. Uh, both of those are th- reactions my best friend may have. Uh, and I'm I'm secretly saying both, just so you know whichever reaction you're having confirms your best friendship of me. Just in case you listen to these broadcasts, you want to send me a letter. I thought, and I say, yeah, of course. Oh, if you're thinking, you thought we were best friends. We are, of course. This is just a little test in the middle of when I'm supposed to be. So this is a, a show called Otter Things, where I recap some odd things that happened to, to all of us in the place beyond the swamp where we live. We actually live in the swamp. It has to do with the place beyond the swamp. Let me see if I can give you a short version. I'm, I'm me, My friends and I were playing Bards and Big Bunnies, a role-playing game we normally play. We played till late one school night of Sunday. Not late, I mean, you know, 840. Uh, my friends headed home. On the way home, Willow took the pass, less taken, and w- became, uh, was led on what you could define as a wild goose chase by a goose bunny. That's right, a bunny and a goose, probably from another universe or created by some other powerful force in another universe. And Willow, uh, uh, was made to be in a crib. Also, my brothers uh, kind of uh, 
Someone my brother had gone on dates with uh, named Babs had also been uh, taken that path less traveled. Now, I might as well just keep going on that. If you did take that path less traveled, we found out with Babs is that you can... Something about this is someplace that's like on the border, like tracing paper between our universe and another universe, and it's underneath the swamp, or maybe also in another world. Uh, but that uh, you can slowly mi- be migrated uh, to that world, that universe, and then a doll, at least in this situation, will remain in your place. I don't know the mechanics of it because I don't think it's even earthly. I don't know if it's tech now. I don't know what's happening. But I do know that we were trying to catch get, get, catch uh, our friend Willow and get her back. With the help of Billy, who we had met not that long uh, after we started looking for Willow. And we found out that Billy is, well, we now know Billy's a platypus. We thought Billy was a duck-billed beaver. I mean, that's, you know, that's a pretty easy mistake to make, especially since we've never met a platypus before. And technically, according to research, platypuses are not like they're from across the oceans. But so we met Billy. It turned out Billy lived in the place behind, beyond the swamp, which was a secret lab of the Greater Swamp Authority where they were doing things to try to figure out uh, because usually we have a community-based resource way of living. They were trying to figure out more of like a, someone used the term, and I don't know exactly what this means, military-industrial complex, but I don't know if that's accurate. Uh, but something like that, where they said, "Well, we gotta, uh, we need to use these powers." Now, Billy actually has powers. You could say they're magic powers. You could say she's a magic user, or you could say something else. But she can throat sing or sing and do things that normal swamp-based beings can't, like move stuff, uh, slow stuff down, make things deflate. So. Uh, when she sings a song, like, oh, the example would be pump up the jam. Something would be pumped up, uh, and then jam would come out of it. So we were hoping to use her powers to help us. Now, at the same time, my brother Tefe and his friend Dari, they were, they, they like, uh, we all said, okay, we're going to all work together to get Willow. We found out where Willow was, uh, which was both in the place beyond the swamp and in the parallel world. So a bit confusing. The adults said, we'll handle that because the idea of parallel worlds or universes is a little too much for you kids. Typical authorities in... But Dory and Tefe, they realized that the big bunny was still in play. And so they set forth to distract the big bunny. I think they ended up in a cargo net, uh, but they did distract the big bunny, I think, long enough. Uh, hopefully, well, we don't know right now. We just know they set off. Uh, well, I do know that they, they uh, distracted the big bunny. They also had help from uh, Babs's friend, uh, or uh, Dari's friend, Babs, who had somehow like sent a projection of herself into a, an Adi Ruxpin doll uh, to help with leading the bunny away. So, so that way that uh, uh, 
Leon, oh, Leon's our community resource officer, and uh, Darian Willow's mom, Francis. They had headed to the place beyond the swamp. Uh, they dealt with the authority figures there. And I believe they did some smooth talking so that they could start to go look for Willow in the place beneath the swamp, like where whatever this tracing paper universe, these two universes are coexisted. They're not coexisting, I guess, but they're overlapping. Uh, so that's where the adults are. They're getting ready to go in, I think. Uh, Dari and Tefe are in a cargo net, and we're at our we're at the high school, not our school, where we had tracked, we had used Billy's powers and built a kind of soundproof room dome uh, to find where Willow was, so the adults could go look for. Her. So now we're just kind of sitting around the four of us, and I guess you could say boring. Uh, but basically, so uh, yeah, I guess, uh, oh, wait, uh, uh, welcome back. Uh, it's the most famous resident of our town. Uh, he's uh, smooth, he's cool, and uh, it's Mr. Antonio Banderas. Uh, thank you, Emma. Uh, as the ladies, thank you, everybody, for your kind words. Uh, yes. Uh uh, it's been a while, I'm, uh, and plus I'm, not, I'm used to be dealing with a scooter. Uh, this is interesting. So, the ladies, the gentlemen, the boys, the girls, the friends beyond, the friends beyond the binary. It's time for other things. Splish, splash, yeah. Uh, thank you, Antonio. Uh, so we were sitting around, like, so we knew the adults were gone. And it's pretty difficult, especially middle schoolers. They say, well, leave those middle schoolers out there on their own once again. And so we were on our own. And what, what did we do or what was going on? Well, uh, so what happened was at first we were just sitting around. Huh, where is everybody? Oh, they're all gone. Well, uh, hopefully they'll get back with Will and everything will be great. Then we said, uh, huh, yeah, what are we going to do? And then uh, uh, Vaughn and LJ said, let's go, you know, at, uh, they get those mini pecan pies uh, with walnut dressing that they put on, uh, the, you know, the, there's a school dessert you could purchase. Vaughn said, I know where they keep those. So Vaughn and LJ went, and they were looking for the pecan. But he calls them pecan, pecan or pecan pies. So they went to go get those. So and then um, uh, uh, Billy and I were, were alone, and I'd been thinking a lot about Billy because uh, we, you know, we just we just met, but I feel like I knew Billy for a long time. And I think we talked about it on another, I, I mean, we just, I just really felt connected to Billy. I wanted to be closer to Billy. I was having, you know, I was having feelings. Uh, and uh, Billy uh, was very quiet. Billy, you know, like uh, would say stuff, but not a lot of stuff. And I said, Jesus, when this is all over, uh, 
I guess I was speaking without asking, but I said, you know, you could come li- live at our house. Like, I'll live in the b- basement in the b- blanket fort. You can have my room. But you'd be close to Tefe's room. And he kind of, you know, even though he uses cologne and stuff, uh, body spray, he kind of, you know, he's a boy otter that uh, uh, passes gas. Uh, and Billy said, passes gas. And he said, like... Uh, farts uh and uh then i made the smelling sound and billy said oh okay so like uh we were kind of laughing and 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 i said uh you know uh in a time like this uh some people hold hands to comfort one another and to feel close uh, because they already feel close to you and Billy said, I feel close to you, too. And we sat a little closer together. And then Billy put her head, uh, her bill, you know, her head, uh, not her bill. Her bill was down, my, but her head on my shoulder. And I put my arm around her. And we just sat there in the gym. And Billy started to slowly fall asleep. Uh, and I was holding her up, you know, kind of thing. Like, she was sleeping. Now, to be honest, like, it was both riveting and, uh, you know, I had to try to keep my posh. It wasn't uh, wasn't relaxing. There was part of me that was like, wow, uh, I like being disconnected to Billy and her, her relying on me to comfort her to, to sleep. She had a long day. But I was also like, okay, now she's leaning at me. I don't want her to wake up, and uh, so now I have to maintain a posture. It would have been more ideal if I said, uh, if she said, oh, I'm going to fall asleep on you, get in the most comfortable position where you could still support me, then I'll fall asleep, you know? So I was trying to, like, they say, pull in your belly button and, you know, stretch out, you know, sit tall. So I was trying to do that. Uh, it took a lot of focus, and I was wondering where those two were with the pecan pies, and if one of them would feed me a pecan pie. And then I said, I hope they bring something to drink. And then they came back with tons of pecan pies, and I made a the shush sound, and they were shushing, which is hard for Vaughn. And also Vaughn tripped and dropped a bunch of pies. They're not actually t- pies, they're tarts, I would say. And then I uh, came into the room and we sat down and I said, what do you think the adults are, are, adults are doing right now? And I said, that is a good question. Um, and actually, I could tell you what they're doing now because I know all will be well, though we have still have a journey to travel. So Leon... And Francis were getting on these. They had made a deal with the the with Dr. Max, who runs the lab, in the place beneath the visitor center, in the place beyond the swamp. And they they uh, they were putting on these suits. And they they said you got to wear anti goop suits into this world because it's full of a strange goop uh, from the goose bunny. And Bull said like goose droppings, and they said no. Like goose droppings and feathers mixed with ectoplasm. And uh, like the bull didn't realize that ectoplasm was actually like a, a goop. Uh, not He said, that's my favorite flavor of uh, 
Icy Punch. And Dr. Max said, what do you mean? And he said, you didn't have that when it was a thing? It was promoted. It was delicious. And Dr. Max said, strange, I can remember. I mean, uh, Leon says, strange, I can remember the taste of it to this very day. Uh, probably it was like, uh, he said, well, what is it like? He said, like fruit punch with melon, maybe? I don't know. Or orange? It was just good. I don't know. And then Dr. Max said, was there any fruit in there? And uh, he, he said, no, no, no. Probably wasn't even a fruit drink, they probably said. Simulated fruit drink. And then Leon said, yeah. And Dr. Max said, well, I'll leave you. Thanks for the information. What we, we didn't know at the time was that Dr. Max was headed our way with uh, the grit like uh so dr max actually was gathering all these weasels dr max worked with and uh getting them ready to come see us uh to take billy uh, but i think that leon had had an extra plan but let's stick with leon and francis so they got in their suits and then they had to head through this goop hole which was basically the hole filled with goop uh, in the wall right by the part of the lab where Billy had had her quiet room because she had opened up this hole when she was running from the bunny. Uh, and again, this gets confusing because I said, well, I thought that was in her, that was real or it was in her imagination. So I guess some of this stuff, uh, it happens with your mind projecting into other worlds, which would make this stuff with Dari and... Uh, Babs makes sense. And they'd asked Dr. Max how they get there. And Dr. Max said, you got to go up into the wizard's tower. And that's where uh, things will get strange. So they headed up. Uh, first, they headed through a tunnel. Then the tunnel started to spiral up. Uh, and as they were spiraling up, they saw little windows like they were spiraling up a tower. Uh, but the windows didn't really show, they, they said, that looks like, uh, we're, aren't we underground? Uh, because, uh, and they also said the further they progressed, uh, even though it, like physically looked like they were going up, they felt like they were going down. And Francis even said, my ears are kind of feeling like I got to swallow to clear them. Uh, so they kept spiraling what they thought was up and down at the same time. And finally they like uh, came out uh, like, like of the bottom of a tower, which they said, well, we've been going up for like 25 minutes. Uh, but it felt like we were going down, even though we were going up and passing windows with a view of something. And again, they, they said like a, look like a, like a flat grassy area. But when they exited this tower, they looked up and there was this giant wizard's tower, tower sorcery behind them. And in front of them was a berm, which looked like the road outside of the visitor center that separates our swamp from the swamp the visitor center's in. And everything was made of mud, so it was kind of like this uh, uh, version... And then they said, are we sized down? And they actually were, but there was nothing to compare. They had shrunken down because this was the same smaller version of the town. Or, well, this is outside of town that uh, 
um, Adari had seen earlier. And I think for them, they traveled through that tower. So that had to do with them sizing down. So they saw a berm with the road. There was a vehicle on the road, just a toy vehicle made out of mud or, or some sort of something like that. And bulls started to have a little drift back in time because uh, it was a station wagon on the road. And he could remember the time he was like when him and his uh, family were moving to Riverbottom and he was packing the car. And he really wanted to get on the road because this was his big shot at becoming a lounge singer. And he wanted, you know, he felt like his family. And his little daughter said, uh, "Papa, Papa, you can you don't forget to put my uh, cinnamon spice bodacious bakery playset in the car." I was playing with it this morning when I made you breakfast, uh, and I don't want to forget it, you know, because I had to make breakfast. Uh, you didn't eat your breakfast either, Papa. And he said, well, we got to get on the road. He had a deeper voice back then, or tried to. And he said, well, I was just putting my guitars and my amps in. Those are, you know, the precious cargo. Uh, It's going to create our life uh, in River Bottom. And then I'll have time for breakfast, sweetums. Uh, You know, when I have, uh, you know, reached the pinnacle of, uh, you know, local performance stardom as a lounge singer. But I'll try to find some space. Run along, use a potty, and uh, let's get going here. And who knows if this was on purpose or an accident, but he, you know, put the bake center. He had the tailgate of the station wagon down. He put it underneath the tailgate to plan on, and we don't know if he put it on the roof or he just drove away with it down there. And who knows if he accidentally or on purpose forgot it, uh, or he was just so caught up in his dream is kind of the real thing. But as he was drifting back into that memory, he was wondering too, and he was kind of cringing as he saw himself uh, so cavalier with what he now realized would have been important to him if he was who he was now back then. And so he felt that forlorn feeling of like realizing those facts and... But he also felt some acceptance in his heart that he couldn't change the past. Uh, also, he because he knew he had to be in the present. Also, Dari's mom, Francis, was elbowing him, saying, Leon, Leon, are you here? We got to climb over this road. And as they climbed over the road, they saw down into our town. And now this was uh, what was very strange for them was like this was a mud constructed playset of our town, but they were shrunken down to the size of our town. And it was covered in goop, and uh, it was the exact size of a playset that a giant goose bunny would play with. Now, I don't know if the goose bunny made it or someone made it for the goose bunny. Those are answers I don't have. I just can tell you all will be well in the end, and all will be odd. So they said, okay, we got to find your house, uh, and Francis said, well, that's pretty easy because this is just a, but then there was details, you know, because they were sized down. Uh, now it was all facades, but it was all very detailed facades. So they headed through town and they walked to the outskirts of town. Uh, and, you know, I don't have to, you know, the walk, you know, step after step, passing piles of goop. 
And eventually, you know, they said, this place is weird. And then they got to Francis's house and she said, my front door's open. And they walked up to the front door and it was a muddy front door. It was open though, or, or I guess like dried mud, you'd say. She said, my back door is open too. And he said, let's not go in the house. Uh, let's go around and see what's going out the back door. And they went around the back door, and she said, there's shreds of carrots and peanut butter everywhere. Uh, she goes, what's that, a cargo net hanging from the tree? Uh, and it looks like it just got cut open or something. And she said, is this all made from mud or sand? And uh, uh, Leon said, don't think about it too much. And he said, I think this is Dari and Tefe, like, uh, distracting the bunny. Because uh, the he said, there's giant bunny prints. And then Francis said, what are these other prints? And Leon said, those look like uh, tiny otter prints. Uh, and he actually was interested. In, in, and then Francis said, the, the, like, uh, the tiny otter prints lead the bunny away from the cargo net, uh, you know, off... Uh, away from my garage. And as Leon was looking, he said, this is weird. It's a, it's like, uh, these aren't like uh, otter tracks at all. They're Adi Ruxpin tracks. That doll that was popular like 20 years ago. You remember Adi Ruxpin? And uh, Francis said, yeah, it was popular like nine years ago, actually, or eight years ago, whenever Dari had asked for it, but it was just too pricey and spendy. And he said, okay, well, the bunny went away from your garage, but we got to find, where was Willow again? And Francis said, in the stu Willow's studios in our detached garage, uh, that's where her and her friends would record audio fiction. They always wanted to play Bards and Big Bunnies there, but I said, well, no, not outside, uh, you could record your audio dramas because it's more active, but play a game inside somebody's house. Because I knew, you know, when we were at that age, we were, we were much wilder, huh, Bull? And Bull said, yeah. So they started to head towards the garage, and they opened the garage door, which was, you know, again, it opened, but it also they got a bunch of, they said, good thing we got these goop suits because there's like a, now we're tracking carrots, uh, peanut butter, ectoplasm, and other stuff all around. And the first thing they saw uh, when they opened the garage uh, was uh, when the garage went back much further than... At first, they couldn't see anything other than a crib. Well, two cribs. One was empty and overturned, and the other one still had a doll that looked exactly like Babs. And Francis said, this doll looks just like Babs. This was the one that uh, Billy had seen, and then she looked into the eyes of Babs, and she could see Babs moving as Adi Ruxpin, really, do, like, disorienting for uh, Francis. And looking back and the bunny chasing it, and she said, that's an Adi Rux, those are Adi Ruxpin arms and legs. And Leon said, which way do you think, and Francis said, towards the school where we left the kids. And he said, oh boy, 
uh, just like I kind of accidentally planned. And she said, what do you mean? He said, don't worry about it. And then Leon switched on the lights, which still worked in a weird, again, kind of gave a weird otherworldly light. But the lights went on in a cinematic way where you turn on the lights and then lights keep going on progressively further into the distance. Like it's a just in perspective. And this garage went back. What seemed like lights were going on miles and miles back into like a, a distant perspective. And Francis said, well, this is strange. Uh, this isn't really my garage. Uh, and Leanne said, yeah, this is uh, definitely not normal. And uh, she said, well, we got to figure out where Willow must have flipped over that crib and headed this way. And then they saw kind of tracks. And uh, she said, okay, this isn't my garage at all. Uh and Leon said, well, what's the next thing you would see in your garage if you were really there? And Francis said, well, the racks of clothes, they used her. Oh, and then they, she noticed. It wasn't like they appeared there. They were there. She just hadn't noticed, uh, which is even more. You see, well, those weren't there, but they are. And there was racks of outfits that uh, Willow and I and, and the rest of us would wear when we did our audio dramas because we did it in character. And she said, but there's thousands of racks of these clothes. Uh, and Leon said, maybe the Goose Bunny made them or maybe they're for dra playing dress up. Uh, uh, this is weird. And it's, 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 but it's r real and not real. And, and Francis said, yeah, but we, we need to find, uh, Willow. Uh, and Leon said, I don't understand. So they record themselves on a audio, like, a, like they're making an album, but they still dress up in clothes. There's no vision. They're not performing a play. And, uh, Francis said, yeah, they're playing dress. It's like a version of playing dress up, uh, or method acting, like uh, getting in the role of a character. Uh, you like wear the clothes, and you become you, you get in and land, and started to drift away again. And as Leon turned, he saw a rack of leisure suits and ruffled coats, and he reached out or ruffled shirts with ruffles and polyester wide collars. And he started to touch the suits, but he started to remember being in Riverbottom and coming home uh, and had spent a lot of money on a new leisure suit. And his, his partner saying, what did, you, what did you mean you bought that suit? Uh, and he held the bag and he, could he was watching himself say, this is what I need. Uh, this is going to make the auditions go so much better. And she said, well, how much did it cost? And he said, it was not like, uh, he goes, well, we're going to have to make some changes around here. And she said, that's the kind of price tag a big time lounge singer. She, she goes, well, you're not a big time lounge singer. You don't even, you're not here. And he said, uh, you got to pay big time to pay, play big time. And she goes, don't you think you should be rehearsing or doing voice lessons? And then he said, this is a very uh, toned-down version of it. He said, I have talent. Uh, 
But even as he was watching this unfold, he kind of shook his head and realized, wow, it was not teachable. I didn't know how to try. I only knew how to fantasize and uh, made. I got, I got a lot of amends to make. Holy moly. Uh, but then he started to kind of move from rack to rack and move away from Francis. And Francis said, Leon, stop moving. This is something. Where are you? And he said, right here. And she goes, okay, well, be right here with me then. Because uh, we're in some sort of giant clothes store or something. And he said, yeah, this is exactly like, uh, he goes, sorry, I keep drifting back to my time at River Bottom." Uh, and she goes, and things appear. She goes, this is somehow tied into our memories, uh, in our relationships, in our families. Uh, so what else do we remember? And he goes, leisure suits. And there was leisure suits here, but there was leisure suits. Uh, I don't know what I thought of first. And she goes, well, what was it about? And he goes, well, I spent the birthday, the money for the birthday party for my daughter on a leisure suit. Uh, and he goes, I know, I know. And she goes, well, it makes sense your family's in Riverbottom, like, uh, like, and you're here. But that's a mistake. We'll deal with it another time. And he said, yeah, I probably should deal with it at another time. And she goes, "What? I, by the way, it's not the best time, but what happened to the suit? And he goes, they hit it. Uh, and uh, he goes, oh, well, I thought they hit it on me, but really they made a... It was my partner. She made a birthday present out of the suit because it had really nice lining, but I didn't even realize it because I was so distractible. And she goes, wait a second. What did you say about the suit? He goes, well, I thought they hid it and I searched everywhere. And Frances froze and she goes, hiding. She goes, when we used to go clothes shopping, uh, especially when I'd go clothes shopping for Dari, Willow would hide inside the clothes racks when we were in the store. Like when we are in that, we'd drive to Riverbottom to go in the big store. And he goes, uh, Hills or Ames? And she goes, both. And uh, she would hide in between the clothes racks, and it was almost impossible to find her. And sometimes, you know, it would make me, uh, like, uh, have to say, Willow, come out right now. I can't find you. And she would be laughing, not knowing that... Uh, how well she could hide in clothes racks. And she goes, yeah, sometimes I was shopping or I get caught up in conversation with somebody. So it was a way to kind of have power over your parent. Uh, and Leon said, well, what are you saying? And she said, she's probably hiding in one of these clothes racks. And Leon said, well, it looks like there's like a million clothes racks in here. And she goes, well, I don't suppose I could just think of Willow. And she'd be in this, nope, Willow's not in this clothes rack. I'm standing behind. Uh, so she said, wait a second, where? Oh, no. Uh, and she, she goes, well, she, want, she would want us to find her, though. So she would pick clothes racks uh, that no one could find her but us. Uh, and Leon said, okay, well, would that be like princesses or... Like the clothes racks from the audio drama, uh, like an astronaut or undercover. And uh, uh, Francis just kept saying, no, what about a leprechaun? I see some leprechaun. Leprechaun? What are you talking about, Leon? 
pirate. And then uh, Francis went into her and she said, no, 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 bad, 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 bad bards. Uh, that's where she'd be. She goes, what would a bad, he goes, well, that'd be a pirate kind of a bad bard. Uh, she goes, no, no, not just a pirate, like a coat or a cape. Uh, and he goes, yeah, yeah, or a cloak. Uh, and she goes, he goes, remember those slokes, that person, that guy, Scooter, came to town trying to sell those slokes. Uh, he goes, were those slacks and co- cloaks or... Uh, and she goes, that's what it would be, a cloak uh, or, or, or something. And he goes, what would make it, why is a cloak bad? And she goes, no, it's not, it's practical. If you're a bad bard, you, you probably have to be, you want some practical wear. And to be able to go under the cover, you know, stay warm, uh, stealth, uh, style, flexibility also like to use as a blanket or to sit down. I don't know how many bad bards have picnics. And they started racing around the clothes and eventually she found a cloaks uh, and she pulled the cloaks away. And she said, these are the cloaks. They're very, they're, they're so dark. I can't tell. She's like, these are the color night sky. I don't know if it's black or purple or blue. And he said, yeah, these are like velvet. And they started pulling them away. And then actually Leanne said, I wonder if this one's nice. I wonder if this would fit me. Now, meanwhile, Francis was saying, Willow, Willow, Willow. There there she is uh, behind these cloaks, on a, curled up in a cloak. And she said, Willow, Willow, can you hear me? Can you hear me? And Willow didn't say anything. And she noticed that Willow, like... Uh, was cycling in and out of being a doll and being her daughter Willow, a beaver. Uh, and she, you know, like to doll hands and doll arms and doll legs, like a doll, like a baby doll. And she said, Willow cycling in and out, Leon. What do we do? What do we do? Uh, and then, but then Willow was also like, Mom, is that you? Mom, but she was, the call was coming from the eyes and not Willow's mouth. And then she saw Willow in the eyes wandering and, and uh, she said, Willow, can you hear me? And she goes, yeah, but there's like a something between us, like a TV or a window. Like I, I can hear you through a TV. And she said, okay, come to my voice. Uh, you've got to get back in your own eyes. You you have to look at me through your own eyes. And uh, then Will said, mom, I can't find you. I can't, I can't understand. Uh, I need something more, mom. And they were going back and forth. And now, meanwhile, while this was happening, uh, uh, Leon again had another non-positive flashback. Though all will be well, you know that uh, he he remembered his. Uh, he finally, after the suit incident, decided he was going to start rehearsing instead of just auditioning. And his daughter said, "Well, Dad, would you sing me a song?" And he said, "No, no, no, I'm rehearsing songs." And she said, "I could sing with you." He said, "No, I." I uh, uh, no, I'm not singing with you. I'm singing, rehearsing. And it, that memory went back and forth. Not a, the greatest memory to have. Uh, but it, like what Leon realized was that that memory was so potent that not after that had happened and after Leon had uh, moved back uh, to our town, uh, 
He had swore he would never sing again because of that memory. Uh, it hurt his heart. Uh, he said, uh, how could I do that to a little kid? Just said, no, no, no I'm, my singing's more important than yours. And that's why he's never sang ever again. Uh, but meanwhile, uh, Francis was trying to call Willow back, and she was kind of, uh, she was choked up as she goes, uh, and then Leon's thinking about his singing and his life. And Francis said, Leon, I need your help. I need you to pull yourself together. I need you to help me. Willow's in between the two worlds and cycling away. But I think if we sing together, we could get her back here. Otherwise, we're going to lose her. We have to sing her back here. And he said, what song? And she goes, well, this is what I need you to do. And he goes, well, what song? Uh, she goes, uh, well, it's a, ver a song Willow wrote called Mom's Diner. It's based on another song, Tom's Diner. And she goes, I just need you to do the do-do part. And, and she goes, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-
pecan tarts and or pecan tarts. And eventually, uh, Billy woke up and we were all covered in crumbs when we heard something pull up. And at first we thought it was the adults. And we looked out, but it was uh, tons of weasels and Dr. Max and a whole crew. And we said, okay, we got to hide fast. Uh, so we created a trail of crumbs, uh, go into a bunch of classrooms and under the bleachers and then into the ventilation system. And then we backtracked while we heard them trying to get in and we hid, hid in some lockers now, it was so cozy in the lockers. We, at first, we were like, we could feel one another's breaths uh, uh, because we'd found that we didn't realize this, but a lot of lockers had false backs uh, so the school could walk up and down and check the lockers from behind. Uh, but we were, so we were in this like area, and uh, I don't know, we were all warm and cozy. We all got cozy and drifted off. But while we were falling asleep, Dari and Tefe had come back to the school and they'd seen it surrounded by the weasels and Dr. Max. And they said, okay, well, this, that's the people from the lab. Uh, we got to do something. Like they have them surrounded. Uh, and Tefe said, if there was only a higher authority. And Tefe was kind of joking, hardy, har, har, but... Uh, and uh, Batari said, you're right, like a community resource, they're the greater community resource authority. There's got to be someone much greater than Dr. Max. Uh, and uh, she goes, I got an idea. She, so she called the main community resource office. She goes, you know how sometimes we talk about the uh, military industrial complex taking over our educate, you know, schools and stuff? Uh and they said, yeah, that's just a conspiracy, you know, like a thing, Dari. And Dari said, they're, they're taking over the school. I think they're getting rid of all our textbooks and replaced. But I just thought you might want to go and check. So then our community resource team, which takes longer because it's not uh, like they started to gather and, and head over there. And then Dari said, okay, well, I got another idea. Just play along with me. And she uh, she must have known some sort of she called this num- secret number uh, that you're only like uh, that she knew about she'd heard about it somehow that's like about the high like uh, that they supposedly the greater 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 swamp authority listens to and she said uh, never like she left the phone off the hook like like and, and like but she pretended like uh, she put it against something and she said uh, she dialed and she looked at Teffy and winked and she said well you know I'm not going to call uh, forget it uh, uh, she goes it's a bad idea and he goes well yeah you like uh, you, but you what, you're going to and he goes I don't understand and she goes, I think we should just go with Dr. Max. I mean, if Dr. Max catches the goose bunny and has the the uh, super-powered platypus, uh, he's going to be more powerful than any other leader, not in the air, not just in the swamp, uh, but everywhere. And Teffy said, yeah, he's going to be powerful. And she goes, we'll all just be working for him. So I don't think I should tell anybody that what he's up to. 
And Tefe said, it'll be like, he's like, uh, would we call him Dr. King, Dr. Max, or Max King, the doctor? And she goes, I don't know, you just call him your majesty or my lord, I guess. And Tuffy said, I don't know, I think we should try to stop him. And Dari said, no, nah, we're powerless to stop him. He's got his whole weasel force. They're loyal to him. And they they're just they just got to go get the, the uh, what is it, uh, platypus at the high school. Uh, so, you know, and they have those, like, there's not even a, that platypus doesn't even really have powers. It's uh, the bunny that has the powers. And... Uh, Tuffy said, I didn't know you knew that. We were trying to keep it secret that the platypus doesn't even have superpowers. We just were using the platypus to distract people. And Dari said, yeah, the platypus is just a regular kid. Uh, but it's a bunny, the goose bunny, that has the magic powers. It was just project, And she, she goes, Dr. Max is just so brilliant. Uh, he is the most powerful. We should go uh, uh, go see what he's doing. And she goes, if we go pledge our fealty now, we'll be in a good position to keep working for him. And then Tefe said, did you hear him say he, if he believes, he does, not only does he believe in humans, but he said he would work with humans. Uh, and Dari said, no, 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 no. First of all, no one believes in humans, but anyone that does wouldn't work with humans because, uh, even if they were real, I think it was just a test balloon. And Tefe said, what was a test balloon? And she goes, it was to see who believed. I, mean, I don't know. But, yeah, maybe we should get going to the high school. And uh, I just won't call. I always won't call and tell on him to the, like, uh, I mean, I was hoping somebody could put a stop to it. Uh, let the kids go. And just, you know, send him home without his dinner, Dr. Max. Uh, hardy, har, har. Let's go to, 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 to Tedward. And uh, Tuffy said, yeah, let's go, Doranda. And they walked off and they left a phone there. And who knows who was listening on the other end? I don't know. But meanwhile, I was in a locker Right next to to, to Billy, and uh, it was like our, our, our humidity of our breaths was uh, mixing, and we were slowly drifting off uh, for a short nap uh, to just rest for a little while. Good night.